I had to go change shirts because I'm gross. <laughs> and I had to decide, well, I'm fine with being, I'm, I'm fine with the fact that y'all know that I sweat a lot, but it was just getting distracting. <laughs> I would have had to have those, like, I'm up here moments, you know. It was getting really gross. I'd already sweated through my shirt. Class was like that for me. Sometimes it is. Uh, but I, one of the things I forgot to do while I was up here earlier is uh, I forgot to, uh, I sort of undersold my group because I don't like to oversell my group, but in doing so, I undersold Jesse. And uh, Jesse is a fantastic human being. And if you want to, like, <laughs> oh, is he just walking in? <laughs> And Hector's a fantastic human being. Both are true. Oh, I'm such an idiot. But I don't want to undersell Jesse. Jesse and Svetlana are two of the most clear-headed people that I've, I've met. They, they're wise beyond their years uh, and uh, very humble about it, so much so that this is really bothering them. So we'll stop, but... Uh, I'm just, I'm very excited and proud of the people that we have leading our life groups. Um, the people who were uh, wise enough and, um, to, to say, when we take a break, we love them too. We think that they're capable as well. Uh, please, please get involved with this. It's, it's absolutely worth your time. Uh, I, I want to talk about prayer, but before I do that, I've got to talk about grandparents. Rachel and I uh, lived two and a half, uh, two and a half hours, four hours from our, our kids' grandparents, from our parents, whenever Clara and Macy were born. All right, so we had uh, we had to drive long distances to see the kids' parent grandparents. So when we went, our kids had just the unfortunate circumstances of having their parents around while their grandparents were around. And if you are a grandparent, you know that this can really cramp your style. Because when the parents are around, the grandparents can't do all the things they wish to do. I remember when I was growing up, my, my grandmother lives right down the road from us. So we would go over there, and we would, uh, we would hang out, and we, no one chastised us for watching four movies, drink, eating all sorts of pizza, and drinking as much diet Shasta root beer as possible. That's true. That's all Mimi had in the house. It, taste, it tasted like diet Coke and regret. Like that, it just tasted awful. But we... We, no, mom and dad would come pick us up, and then we'd go home. And we would, we would go, and we would dance on, on our grandparents' table, um, listening to Alvin and the Chipmunks sing uh, on a record player. And we would dance. There was one time we were playing grocery store on my, um, my, my grandmother had a, a treadmill, which is funny in and of itself, but she had a treadmill, and we would put that thing down and we would play, we would play grocery store. Because everybody's got to dream a little, right? And so we would, put, 
the, the, the convey, we'd put it real slow. Now, it was one of those old, uh, it, had, it didn't have digital speed. It had the crank, you know. You, you cranked it real tight for it to slow. You loosened it up. It went fast. So, when you turned it on, it went the speed that it was going to go. It didn't have to rev up. It just, the engine started and there it went. I thought, hey, why don't I lay on this? And we'll just turn it on, see what happened. Well, I was laying there, like a, with, the, with all the intensity and seriousness of, a, of, a, of an astronaut, ready, ready to take off. And my sister, who we called sister, uh, was standing at the controls, grinning. And I said, all right, sister, turn it on. And I shot off of that thing. I mean, just poof. But I didn't, we didn't do any measuring before we started. And it turns out, the distance from the wall to the end of the conveyor that worked like a grinder, you know, like, say, on someone's skin, the distance from the wall to the end of the treadmill was the same distance from my feet to my neck. So I just, bam, and it just rubbed, just skin was flying. Do you know why that happened? My grandparents weren't watching us. And if they were, they thought, even if they were, they would have said, oh, look at them do the things they do. My parents wouldn't have ever let that happen. My parents would have said, no, get, get off, just quit playing on that. You don't need to play on that thing. That thing's expensive. You don't need to be, you're going to break that thing. See, with parents, if you want something, you have to be persistent. With grandparents, there's zero persistence. Now, my kids never got that because we were always hovering around trying to make sure the grandparents didn't break any of the rules. Rachel, who's a better parent than I, realized this early on, and she said, listen, when we go to grandparents' house, we kind of have to let the kids be grandparents' kids. We have to retrain them when we go home, but we have to let them have grandparent fun when they're at grandparent house. And I said, okay. And it's hard, but we got to let them because the kids can go ask my mom and dad or Rachel's mom and dad something and get it like that. A friend of mine recently was telling me he was watching his kids with his dad thinking, who is that man? (laughs) Now we have we have sometimes this idea of, of like, they, they get everything they want, and that's true. But at my house, they have to be persistent for things they want. They have to ask and ask, and they've learned that if I ask eight, nine times, Dad might fold. But they don't have to be persistent for things they need, right? So they never, you never, you never hear a kid say, Dad, can I please, seriously this time, have some broccoli? You never hear a kid, like, cry because they're not going to eat more vegetables. So they get what they need, and sometimes we force onto them what they need, but what they want, they have to be persistent about. And sometimes, I think, we think God operates like a parent. Like, if we could just ask God over and over again, if we can be persistent enough in prayer, 
then God will sort of fold and give us what we want. And we get this from this, um, from this passage in Luke chapter 11, if you'll turn there with me, or it's on the board. Verse 9 says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. So, sometimes it feels like in our prayers we'll say, well, I want this thing to happen, or I want this thing to not happen, so I'm going to go to God. And the image we kind of play in our mind is knocking, and maybe the door isn't opened eventually, but we learn sometimes, well, let's just be persistent. And we take away from this verse that the key to good prayer is a persistence in prayer. But this particular verse is laid out in a particular context on a fuller teaching of prayer. And I want to look at the fuller teaching. And maybe we can, kind of come, we can come to an understanding of prayer that's better than you just got to be persistent. Keep doing it. Keep praying. For this person. Okay? So let's go back to Luke chapter 11, first part. says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed or holy be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, if you asked, um, if you asked John Ortberg or Bill Hybels or um, there's several other people recently who have wrote, written good books on prayer, Philip Yancey, if you, if you, if you ask a popular author what, Teach me to pray. What you're going to get from authors is a book. And what you got from Jesus was a paragraph. Teach us to pray. The Son of God taught them to pray. And it was so simple. The, 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 the version in Matthew is much easier uh, to remember. It's the one we sort of memorize in Matthew chapter 6. Um, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us, us. Forgive, uh, forgive those who trespass against us as we, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And if you've got the King James, there's all a bit about this power and glory forever that I didn't really memorize because I was an NIV kid. But we know that one, but it's still short. It's longer in Matthew, but it's short. Here in Luke, it's still a short prayer. He says simply, Father, holy is your name. Your kingdom, I want your will to be done here on earth, God. Give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not in temptation. The end. And then Jesus continues the teaching. In verse 5. Well, did that slide progress? Okay, there we go. I'm messing it up. Judy, can you fix what I've broken? 
I'm sorry. Is it right? Okay, good. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, that's what, that's what your friend's name is, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Now, this is weird for us because we don't live in a certain, uh, we don't live the way they live. We have, we have land and we have space between houses, but if you are living in a town in the first century, in a small village, there's a good chance that someone comes and knocks on my door and you're my neighbor, you hear them knock on my door and you hear me get up. And so waking one person in the town wakes three or four. So these small villages, for, for one person to come in late at night and be a visitor and need food, it wasn't just the responsibility of the of the person on the person who has the door on which they knock. It, it's the responsibility of the whole town. If this guy, if my neighbor fails to show hospitality to his friend, then our whole town has failed to show hospitality to the friend. So there, there, you can kind of get into some murky waters if, if you don't want, um, if, if, if you don't help other people. So he says, and suppose the one inside answers, ah, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you thing, anything. Verse 8 says, Jesus goes on and says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shamelessness, uh, this is just this is just a disaster here. I'm going to come down here. Yet because of your shamelessness, uh, shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Uh, because you you need it. Because you need it, he will give you what you need. Because you are you are in need of something, he's going to do it. Because it's a need. Now sometimes we can take this passage and go, okay. So sometimes God doesn't want to give us what we want, but we just keep asking. We keep, we keep being persistent. And, but then, he goes, then goes, Jesus goes on to the verse that we have in question. Next slide, please. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Notice this is again in the context of this neighborhood. We're knocking, we're asking, we're seeking for something we need. Next slide. Which of your fathers, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, which is odd, but go ahead, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your, to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Okay, here's where I think this passage trips us up. It's because we are awful at distinguishing between what is a want and what is a need. We don't know. And you know what? Let's blame the grandparents. <laughs> Let's go ahead and do that. 
Because we don't, we don't know the difference sometimes. I want this God. I want this. And we can want something so desperately that we will think it's a need, but it's not a need. And a lot of times, what we, the prayers we are very persistent about, or at least the way we pray, often allow, puts us in a place of, of the receiver. Like, I want a thing, so I'm going to get a thing. I want health, so I'm going to get health. I'm going to get wealth, I want wealth. God, give me this thing or that thing. I feel so much shorter preaching down here. We, we, we want a certain thing and we want it so bad that it'll, it'll turn into this need and we'll say, I, I, God, and if I'll just be persistent, God will give me what I ask because everyone who knocks, will, the door will be open. If we just ask, we will receive. But this isn't talking about any old thing. This is talking about Imagine the image. Someone comes, Jesus says, someone's coming to your door. That someone needs something from you, but you don't have it. You need it from somebody else. So you're going to go knock on a door to get it from them. The world needs you to look like Jesus. God needs you to be operating fully in this realm of your king, his kingdom is coming and we are, we are operating in that kingdom. We are living that kingdom out. So when we go and ask for God to give us something, it should be for the sake of others and for the sake of the kingdom as a whole. When we go and knock on God's door for something that we don't have, it should be so that we can give it to those who are in need. When we go and, and seek out God, it is because we need that hope. Notice he's not just jumping from one teaching to the next. He's saying you go to God to get what you need so that you can go to those who need. Notice what he says. He doesn't say God will freely give to you whatever it is you want. He says, if you are good, if you're good at giving gifts, even though you're kind of a jerk sometimes, what do you think God's going to do when you need the Holy Spirit? If you ask for a new car, which is okay, do that. Pray to God for a new car. If, 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 you're, if, if you have that much vanity in you, go give it to God. Anything you want to talk to your father about is clear. You just do it. But sometimes God's going to work on your requests because he's going to work on you. Whatever you want, go ask God. For it. But this verse isn't talking about that. This verse is talking about when you need something, 
to bring kingdom into this world, God gives it. And so we can ask for healing. We can ask for, um, for more comfort. We can ask for all those things. And God will hear that prayer because he is our father and he loves us. But we need to start working things in our prayers, working things into our prayers that are going to allow us, if God grants it to us, to go into the world and be better kingdom people. So, our Father who is in heaven, you are holy. I need to love like you love. I need to show mercy like you have shown me mercy. I'm struggling. I can't do it. I need you to do it in me. I need you to give me, produce in me the things the world needs from me. Because the world needs patience from me. The world needs grace from me. The world needs joy from me. They need love from me. They need me to be self-controlled when the world isn't self-controlled. The world needs me to be humble. The world needs me to be kind. The world needs me to have passion about what is happening to those who are hurting and to go and help those who are hurting. I don't have that intrinsically in me and God needs to put it there. And He will. The world has come to your hut and needs something from you and you don't have it. Go and ask the one who does. Go get it from the one who gives freely. Go knock on the door and it will be open. Go ask for what you need and you will be answered. Go seek the one who gives freely, and you will receive. But it's not wealth, it's not riches, it's not comfort. Because a lot of times when I'm asking for love, I'm asking for trouble. A lot of times when I'm asking for patience, it's because I'm going out into a world that's going to test my patience. A lot of times when I'm asking for grace or forgiveness, it's because people have hurt me and wounded me and i I just can't do it on my own. That sort of gift is better than any truck. I was trying to think desperately of a really cool truck name, but I don't know them. Truck. That's about as good as I got. I was going to say F-150. Is that a thing? Yeah? Ty just gave me a nod. I think that's like a rivalry between Ford and somebody, but I don't... Okay, all right, all right, we're not going to get there. They still exist. All right, so, there... I've never had more comments in a sermon before. Don't make me get back up there. But we, we need it. You need it. You need the things that God can give you, and God gives freely in love. God gives freely. God gives freely joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He gives that freely and you need it desperately. So I would argue that you need to start seeking it more often. 
And if we can seek that and find that, if we can knock on that door and let it be open, and if we can ask for those things and receive those things, that sort of kingdom changes the world. You know, a more middle-class kingdom, a more wealthy kingdom, a more uh, in-power kingdom does not change the world. But one that loves like Jesus loves can change things exponentially from this little county out. We can just do the best we can here. But to do the best we can here, we're going to need help from God to love like he loves produce in us the fruit that the Spirit offers. We're just going to need it. Pay attention to the world that has come to your door. See what they need and then go get it from the one who can give it. And when you give that out, notice that the guy who uh, got bread from his neighbor and then took it to the, uh, the traveler wouldn't then say, well, I went out back and made it. Who would he give glory to? To one who gave it in the first place. We serve a God who is absolutely ready and willing to give you what you need. But I think it's important for you to go to your father and ask for it. Because then you're, you're placing your priorities in the proper If you want to follow that God, the one who gives freely, if you want to give your life to the one who came and died for us, to Jesus who rose from the grave, to the one in whose name we pray, then please come forward while we stand and while we sing.